Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yes, it's Pompey, again. Hello, and welcome to the third episode of the Roker Report Extra 2019-2020. As it stands, Sunderland are yet to win a league game after drawing our opening two games 1-1, but after a morale-boosting 3-1 victory at Accrington Stanley in the League Cup on Wednesday, we're going to Saturday's uh, Saturday afternoon's game even against those lot from down the south coast. Last season's meeting provided a trip down Wembley Way, a penalty shootout, Pompey's media team tweeting Netflix, two red cards, Simply Red having a fight with Lee Catamore, a funny-looking fellow in a grey tracksuit fighting with Luke 9 11 goals, and Chris Maguire pretty much just upsetting the locals. So, to chat about our fifth meeting in five months, we have the only Portsmouth fan that I've got any sort of affection for, and a returning guest, we've got Hugh from the PO Forecast. How are you doing, Hugh? Are you well? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks, Graham. Um, ready to go for the new season. Yeah, I'm starting to get into it a bit now. Um, after last night's victory, but you always feel a bit like better after a victory, don't you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we felt the same after, you know, the League Cup as well with Pompey's win. Yeah, against uh, Birmingham. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, the Birmingham Reserve team, let's not flatter ourselves. Yeah, it was a good win. A win's a win, isn't it? Yeah, um, for sure. So two league games in with Portsmouth. Um, I've just kind of spoke about the uh, last season between us us and you so I'll be honest I, I've kept a close eyes I think we both have with each other because I think we're both we're both seem to be favourites you know maybe sans Ipswich but two league games in you've got one win and one defeat so so talk us through your opening two games and how that's gone yeah it was it was a difficult game for us at Shrewsbury with that one nil loss um it's one of those games that I've got to say we dominated it, you know, 15 shots on goal, 63% possession. And then from absolutely nowhere, they get a, a screamer from, I think it's their right back who's never scored a goal for them before from about 35 yards straight into the top corner. It was disappointing, but it was one of those games you thought, all right, you know, that was a good performance, but we didn't get the result that you know, we deserved really. And I think there was a red card in the first game, wasn't it, against, against Shrewsbury? Was it uh, Rory got sent yeah. off? Yeah, two yellows. Um, Ross McCrory's looked really good, actually, in pre-season, um, you know, coming in from Rangers on loan. I know there was a few rumours, actually, about you going after him as well, Sunderland. Um, but he's a combative midfielder, and I think he's just got a little bit hot-headed on his debut. And, you know, these things happen. 
Yeah, he hasn't actually managed to get himself back into the first team yet because we'll talk about this later, but other midfield players have stepped up. I think it's also interesting that Shrewsbury set up with a basically a back five at home against us. So they really soaked up that pressure and, and managed to steal a win. So fair play to them, but we're not going to get those sort of games every week. And then obviously you came back to, to Fratton Park, Fortress Fratton, as we were told last year. Um, and oh, Quite a few times, I reckon. <laughs> And you, 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 you won last at the weekend. What what changed between the Shrewsbury game apart from the the whole ten men situation? Um, Kenny Jackett actually mixed up the the formation a little bit. Um, we went four three three. Um, we stuck with sort of three midfield players. Um, Andy Cannon played uh, with alongside Ben Close coming into the team. Um, Tom Naylor, again, is still there in that sort of holding role. Uh, and it really gave us a little bit more more bite on the ball. And I think last season we were a little bit guilty of getting stuck in the defensive zone, you know, not being able to get out and say Sunderland were putting a lot of pressure on us in different games. And especially in the playoffs, you saw Pompey really struggled to get the ball, get the ball forward, really, to our attacking players. I think playing this 4-3-3 formation allowed us to play quite high press um, and that worked in the cup and Kenny Jackett just rolled with it in the league. So in terms of early season performances, I, best, I, I think from what I'm picking up from what you've told me, game one was a defeat, but not too worried. Game yeah. two was a win, but not too overexcited. Would I be right in saying that? Well, yeah, I think, you know, game two was a real confidence booster, a bit like um, you guys the other week with Accrington. It was one of those games that... You know, we gave a few players chances. Ellis Harrison's coming from Ipswich as a striker. Um, he's got fierce competition from John Marquis, and um, he got two goals in that game. It was it was a, a really important game for us to kick off our, our season. Um, and then, you know, we rolled into the weekend, played Tranmere, and yeah, we things just started going from from good to to very good. The big thing for me were were Pompey this summer was I think arguably you've lost you've definitely lost your best player. In, in Clark, and I think probably your second best player in Jamal Lowe. But, and I think it would be really fair to say you've recruited really well, um, and we touched on a little bit before, but Ross McCrory is, is someone I was really jealous we actually didn't get. And that that maybe is my slight bias with me living in Glasgow and seeing a little bit of him last year, but he's, he's tall, he's combative, he's athletic, and he, he's young. But you've also brought in Paul Downing, who I think is a great signing, yeah. and John Marquis, alongside a lot of other good signings. But I suppose it's it's like us losing our best two players, but then if we replace them with another good five or six, yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, how's the Portsmouth fan base feeling about the transfer business? excited if I'm honest we, we all knew we were going to lose Matt Clark this year and um, you know we wished him well you know he's gone off to Brighton and then been loaned out to Derby you know it's a really good opportunity for Matt and you know he's too good for this league and we, we give him all his best on his way out the door um, but I think when you look at how we've recruited across the board we look like a stronger team now uh, we're stronger in depth but I think the quality is still there so you know, Paul Downing is a good centre back. He looks mobile. He passes the ball out. Um, he's commanding, and I don't think you need to have a Premier League quality centre back to be able to to get out this division. Uh, we brought in Sean Raggett as well on loan from Norwich, another centre back who you know adds some more depth to the squad. He's a big lad. He's six five. I've heard quite a lot of good things about him from Lincoln fans. Um, and then looking forward as well. You know, we lost Jamal Lowe, but we bought in Marcus Harness for a, what I'm hearing is £800,000. Again, he's a he's a little bit different to Jamal Lowe, 
but I'd say quite like for like in, in skill replacement. He's a bit more tricky in tight. Um, he's more of a playmaker rather than a pure scorer, as Jamal Lowe is much more direct with his running. But I think he's really going to fit in well. And from what I've seen so far, um, he looks like an incredible signing. And then you replace Jamal Lowe's goals that we've lost, obviously, 17 last season uh, by bringing in John Marquis. And I think, you know, that can only be seen as an upgrade for Pompey up front over Ollie Hawkins, who was playing for us last season. Yeah, I would, I would agree with Marquis. I think I think the one thing you look at with with Portsmouth is that there's a lot of options there. You've also got obviously Brett Pittman as well. Um, when he, when he's not shouting at ball boys, um, he's actually yeah. quite handy on the pitch as well. He's not too bad. And I mean, I thought Ollie Hawkins changed the game at the checker trade. I've said said this a few times. I think there's a lot of options there, but you would have to say that John Marquis would be far and wide the most talented striker there and he's he's hard working as well John Marcus he's not just about his goals as he's 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 a he's a he's a forward that'll press from what I've seen yeah he is and I think that fits into the system I was talking about with the 4-3-3 um you know you've got um Andy Cannon who's been injured uh most of last season actually came in from Rochdale but he got a man of the match performance in the last game um, and he he's leading the press there with Ben Close and Tom Naylor just sitting in behind. But I think we look a lot more mobile this season in that sense. And Marcus Harness, again, he's quick. He's winning the ball back, putting his foot in, um, as well as skinning players down the right. So we've got that natural balance. You've got John Marquez, who obviously is much more mobile than Ollie Hawkins. And I think going forward, we look like a stronger team. On paper, yeah, I, I would very much agree, and, and I, I won't make any bones about it. You know, I, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Portsmouth, but I'll remain as remain as professional as I can because I like you, Hugh. At the end of the oh, day, oh, like cheers, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have improved, and I think the the big one for me, and maybe you haven't seen the best of him yet, but was Ross McCrory. He's I've watched a lot of Rangers up here, and he played in an old firm last year, which was the first time Rangers had beaten. Uh, first image of beating Silicon a long time at that point. It was the 1 0 game, and mm. a lot of the plaudits went towards Ryan Jack, who got the goal that day. But Ross McCrory just mopped everything up. And I mean, that talk about high pressure games, that no. is as high pressure as they come. Of course. And um, I don't know if you, you know, you follow Rangers a little bit and obviously been in Glasgow and you might know um, I spoke to Stevie Cliff from the Four Lads Have a Dream podcast. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I sp- he came on our podcast um, and we had, we spoke for an hour about, you know, Rangers and um, and Pompey and, you know, specifically Ross McCrory as well. And um, from what all Stevie says, he sounds like an absolutely incredible signing for us in the middle. Um, so almost, I think we're going to try and unleash him as a bit more of a, a box-to-box player rather than just a purely defensive player because he's played quite a defensive uh, role at Rangers in a sort of 4-1-4-1 formation. I think he played against Celtic, didn't he? And that sort of... Yeah slightly more holding role but um, I've seen him this in pre-season um, he got man of the match a couple of times he looks quick he's positioned his position's good um, he's a good passer of the ball and uh, he, had a, he had a couple of shots on target so I think he's going to be a, a, you know a great um, a player for Pompey this season it's just we've got quite a few good centre midfielders and it's a good it's a good problem to have for Kenny Jacket. Yeah, because you've got Taylor there. You've got Ben Close, who we will come on to, um, have both been your mainstays, really. Um, but do you see McCrory coming in, or do you think it'll stay close and nailer? Um, we're sort of playing a midfield three at the moment, though. So 
I mean, you've got Gareth Evans who could play in the middle. Um, Andy Cannon played the last game and it sort of surprised me how well he played in that role. But I think people expected Ross McCrory to come back from suspension and walk straight back into the team. But Kenny Jackett's a lot about momentum. And if the team wins, he doesn't really like tinkering with it that much. But I think that you'll find Ross McCrory will just work his way back into the side over the season and be a, you know, a quality, um, important part of the midfield alongside Close and alongside Tom Naylor. It's going to be a long old season. We're going to, I think we both know, we we played 62 games last season. You can't have been far off, if not exactly the same. So I think if a player misses one or two games, it's not maybe the, the worst thing in the world if you've got replacements, is it? No. And do you reckon we can just give up on the Checker Trade Trophy this season, Graham? I'm not doing the checker trade again. I'm not having it. Don't want it. No. Not for last year. I mean, we've, we've won it now. And I'll be honest, wasn't that bothered last season. Sounds silly. But, you know, I'd like to like to move on now. Um, and maybe we could get out most of these cup competitions and just focus on trying to get promoted. It was the we- weirdest competition ever. I really enjoyed the game. I've never celebrated a goal like McGeady's equaliser. Yeah. Like I have in ages. But realistically... Like when when we when we got beat, it was it was gutting because you don't want to lose at Wembley, and I'd much rather celebrated it, but it didn't hurt half as much as that playoff final did, half as much. Well, with um, the playoff semi final at Fratton Park, I was devastated when you lot knocked us out. I, I I did very well. I thought of holding my bragging that night when you texted me. I thought, don't 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 don't. Hugh's a nice person. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you that message of I think was it sort of you know congrats the sort of you know polite message, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> politer than the, the, the rest of your boys that night but oh one, mate. one thing that drove me nuts about Portsmouth last year and he really like there's a certain player that just really got up my nose and it was Nathan Thompson and I was looking to see how he was doing this season and I noticed he hasn't got a club so the yeah. little irritant that he is have you got sick of him as well that's not really what's happened but I will, I will it's, a, it's a quite a funny story what happened was he you know, in this sort of, you know, January time, he came out and said he wasn't going to sign a new contract. Um, he said he thought he could play this or him or his agent or whatever said that he thought he could play in the championship. And he wanted to see if we got promoted before he signed any any contract. And to be honest, he's he's been on trial at Bristol City. That didn't work out um, and a few other places. And basically, he hasn't found himself a team that are willing to take him on. He was down at our training ground last week. Uh, and I think Kenny Jackett is just helping him out. So just helping him train. Um, but he's, you know, it's come out and said that, you know, we're not signing him. It's just a case of being polite, really, and letting him train. But yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Nathan Thompson hasn't got a club and he should have signed up, you know, in, in January and not being so well, a bit arrogant, really, to to think he, he was better than the team. Do you think he's, he's made his bed? You never know, do you, in football? I think the, I think the uh, the transfer window is open to the start of September. So maybe, maybe he makes a comeback. I don't think so. We brought in a guy called uh, James Bolton from um, from Shrewsbury as a direct replacement for him. We've still got, um, we've still got walks out there, Anton walks. I don't think we need another right back. And Kenny is much more like, he, he likes to have two players in each position. I, I just don't see Nathan Thompson being a fit anymore. Yeah, and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm very, very, very pleased he's not playing. Not because I fear him, just a really annoying little bugger, truth I'm be gonna, told. I mean, I'm going to miss the free kicks he got us, the, the Nathan Thompson flop. Oh, my God. That was what used to get me. It was it was 
the fact that you would fall over everything. And I, and I remember in the 1-1, one, one, just before the playoffs, I remember Tom Flanagan just lost his rag with him, didn't he? Just yeah. Just in that whole fight at the end. And it was just, I, I felt like if Flanagan didn't do it, I was tempted to do it. But I'm quite pleased that things are going bad for him at the minute. I'm quite pleased that he decided he was better than he was and he's not doing anything. But you mentioned Luke, uh, Luke Bolton's coming out right back. James Bolton, yeah. James Bolton, sorry. Yeah, yeah, when no, you... he came in on a free transfer. I don't see, I don't see there being a space for for Nathan Thompson. No, because because Walks, if I correct me if I'm wrong, came in a few times last season on the left, didn't he? But he's predominantly right footed. I mean, I don't think he, he's unless he was covering on the left. I think he's always played on the right. He's always covered Nathan Thompson. Uh, he came in from Spurs originally. Um, he's got a lot of talent. He's still a little bit raw, and he can. He's he is sort of. Um, he does make the odd mistake sometimes, but he's one of these players that I think has got the ability to get better as well. But Bolton's much more that experienced player at this level. So you've got those two sort of the more younger up and coming right back in walks, and then uh, Bolton's. You know, he I think he played with Shrewsbury last season, but they came out and said they wanted him to stay, and they're pretty gutted when they lost him. So. It seems like a solid signing to me. Was he part of that team under Paul Hurst that did quite well and got to the checkered trade and, and the playoff then, I take it? I believe so. Do you know what? Been, wouldn't he? Sounds silly, but I haven't actually looked that much into it because even though he's a, he seems like a great player and a good signing, he just hasn't been one of the most, I don't know, exciting. Do you know what I mean? One of the ones that's grabbed the headlines. You're sort of like, okay, an experienced right back, looks solid. Um, it's not ever been a problem for us. But yeah, he looks decent. He's picked up an injury already though, and that's never good, never great, but hopefully he comes back soon. So talking of things that were irritating, I wanted to get your view on something. Now the touchline moment last year. Now uh. the whole thing, the whole week, the whole week I felt like we got told about Fort West Fratton and the Milan atmosphere and all of that kind of stuff that was going on. And and let's not deny there's there's a rivalry there at the moment. Um, very, very much so, probably because we've played each other that much. But it started with um, Tom Naylor chucking the ball off Maguire's head, Maguire doing what Maguire does. But I mean, when we watched it, it was funny in hindsight. And there was a lot of memes, a lot of jokes and because we'd won, we could look back and it was kind of like, it was funny. But in all seriousness, it, it was quite disgusting in a way, the way that Luke and I got tread in, in that particular moment and the whole part of it. And it's easy for a Sunderland fan or any other fan that is not a Pompey fan to sort of wag the finger at the, the Pompey fans in class you all as a whole. But I'm quite curious as to how you as a Pompey fan, that I would like to say is knowledgeable and a nice lad, in my opinion. Um, how Cheers. did Pompey fans? That's all right. Mm-hmm. How did how did Pompey fans feel in particular about the two fans I mentioned before? You had Simply Red and you had the Goblin who kind of like tried to I don't know what he was doing. How did that go down in the Pompey fan base? Because I feel like that got kind of lost in the the melee of everyone else pointing fingers at how bad it was. I, I'd actually never asked you how you felt about it and how Pompey fans reacted to that. I mean, the only thing I'm thinking of is how to explain it without using the wrong language, mate. It's an embarrassment to all Pompey fans. And I'll be honest, I've never seen anyone quite like that at Fratton Park. So, you know, when you see the footage, I remember I was in the Fratton end. And I don't know if Sunderland fans are aware of this, but when, um, you know, when Luke and I went into into the crowd down there um, and when the 
that guy was sort of doing all that stuff he was doing. The Fratlin was booing him and telling him to stop or whatever and just shouting at him. So it, it's an embarrassment to the city. It's an embarrassment to the fan base. I mean, the, the game was on Sky. It was, you know, it was broadcast around. It, honestly, that man does not represent anything to do with Portsmouth Football Club. And as a fan and as a person from the city, all I can say is, to be honest, sorry to Sunderland fans, because that was absolutely disgraceful. What what happened to him in the end? He got a, he got a banning order, didn't he, from the from Fratton Park? But I don't I can't remember how long it was for. But yeah, it's, it's, it was disgraceful. And you know, no one wants to see footballers should not be subjected to any any abuse like that. In, there is there's got to be a level where banter and rivalry and you know um, wanting a team to win can't spill over into abuse and and violence. And I think to be honest, Luca Nine took it pretty well, didn't he? He didn't really react that much. Um, Very to, well. Um, and that's that's a, a credit to him as a, as a person as well as a you know a fairly young player as well. Um, so yeah, mate, it was it was a disgrace. And all I can say to Sunderland fans is that those those idiots on television, who's put the politest way I can put it, um, are, are not you know don't represent us as Portsmouth fans. And yeah, we're all pretty shocked by it as well and, and embarrassed really. Do you think though, Lee Catamore versus? six or seven of them that wanted to, to join in. Who who would have won? I think Catamore would have won. <laughs> Catamore looks like the kind of bloke you want in a bar fight behind you, doesn't he? <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Very he much looks, so. Looks like, the, you know, some imagine some sort of small person's mouthing off to you outside a bar and then literally you're like, all right, okay, I can handle myself. And then his mate comes around the corner and it's Lee Catamore and you just sort of shit yourself, don't you? Um, <laughs> excuse my language. No, you can swear on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So... <laughs> that's the thing mate I literally Lee Catamore is obviously solid isn't he um, I don't know what he's doing now some sort of Iron Man competition Tough Mudder obviously he's, he's obviously left Sunderland but yeah no and he's done the right thing really he's stuck up stuck up for a younger teammate and it's a big game situation isn't it and that's when you need your sort of leaders on the pitch to really um, to really back back those young players and especially in such a heated atmosphere that it was um, for good or bad it's funny yeah, we're talking about that, and I didn't actually have this question wrote down. But just going back to that game because it'll always be one of my good memories of supporting something. It was just such a bizarre game for it to end nil nil. And I think we talked before a lot about the, the there was a big build up from Fratton Park, and I think a lot of us got a bit tired of hearing about it. But I felt like, and I've talked to you about it with Portsmouth all season that you just played us in the right way. You just wound us up all season and yeah. then we got the first game we got the one nil and it was two and throw in because of the red card were was turk and things like that and the second game i think a lot of Sunderland fans kind of went oh they'll just wind us up and it'll be like we'll get frustrated and then they'll score and, and they've just done it all bloody season and that's how it's going to go but for the first time we seem to reverse that on yourselves could you see during the game us basically effectively doing a Portsmouth because I felt like from minute dot Chris Maguire's little flick out at Tom Naylor when the ball got chucked off and you all just lost your rag the whole team just couldn't concentrate on the game would, would you say that's the first time Sunderland actually did a Portsmouth on Portsmouth I think that plays an element into it I think there's a percentage of that that's true but I actually think to be honest that you know Pompey are quite an emotional team and that 
either comes through for good or bad. And that earlier on, that was working for us against you in the season. But what it was, to be honest, and you've obviously done this better than us, is that that team was absolutely knackered, mate. They were tired as anything. Jamal Lowe didn't even start because he was so tired. He couldn't run up and down the pitch properly. Whether that's bad squad management from our behalf and, you know, we should have set up better in the first game and not not really just sat back because we're awful when we sit back and try and defend like that. Um, it, it was a bit of the fact that you guys got in our heads, I suppose, but I really think that team was dead in the water. And it, if we even went through to the final, they just looked so tired. And I think they were just frustrated that they couldn't do any of the things they wanted to do. And fair play to Sunderland. They got the goal. Chris Maguire, again, I, I actually said before the game to you and everyone else that I hope he doesn't start because he's he, he's a player that I'm concerned about and you know over Honeyman. And yeah, he's done the business, isn't he? And he looked fresher, didn't? And he, I know he hadn't played this whole long season unlike someone like Jamal Lowe. And, and he literally, he looked fresh. He looked up for it. And yeah, he was your talisman and he won the games for you. Yeah, most definitely. So, and then that's a frustrating thing with Chris. Sometimes he can do that, and other times he can be a bit invisible. But I love him. He's he's a a handsome, he's a handsome shit house that I love very much. So, um, talking of like match winners, um, I've been really impressed with a particular player pretty much since since the checker trade game when he came on, and we spoke about him a little bit before. But Ben Close, he's he's had a phenomenal start of the season, and in my opinion, developed into your key player, really, after a really good season last term. What is it that you would say Ben Close brings to Pompey and how important is he going to be in terms of you, like promotion this season? I'm a massive Ben Close fan. Uh, I'll just say this quickly, though. I, I last time on the podcast, I said in jest that he's the Pompey Zappy. And I think quite a lot <laughs> of Sunderland fans took that literally. Um, he he is, he's, is a very cultured midfielder. He's the kind of midfielder that he gets the ball going. He he knows where all his teammates are. He's always making that positive pass forwards. But I think what makes him a bit more a bit special, really, of Ben is that he sort of he peels off the the defender. He he always arrives late in the box. He's got that sort of you know that Gerard Lampard positioning that, that he know he's always in the right position when the ball comes out. He's also a fantastic striker of the ball. You know, he's scored two incredible goals, one against Birmingham uh, and the other one against, against Tranmere, which is an absolute worldie. If Sunderland fans haven't seen it, um, just for a footballing point of view, it's, it's an absolutely great goal. But it spends intelligence on the ball. He's clever and his positioning is really good. His passing's good and his shooting's elite level. He can sometimes get edged off the ball. He's not really a combative midfielder like someone like Tom Naylor and and he does require to have a few other players in the team that can help um, do the donkey work in, in that sense but if if you can get Lau Ben a little bit of creative freedom um, he's a sort of player that I suppose if he was played for Sunderland he'd help you sometimes you know when you're having those sort of 1-1 draw situations someone like Ben Close can play that that pass that can open something up or take that shot and, and get a goal for you so he's that sort of clutch player really that you know I really like and he's a Pompey lad through and through. I, I felt that the checker trade game was where I noticed him because he, he came on a substitute if I remember right there at half time yeah. and I felt like every I felt like just he was just underpinning every attack that you had if it came out he was gotten his getting his foot on the ball and just feeding the right players like giving it to Jamal Lowe giving it to Gareth Evans and it just everything good came from him so I, I sort of kept an eye on him. I thought he, he didn't have the best of games in the playoff games, but, you know, he talked before about tiredness, but I watched the Birmingham game 
um, and his goal was was so good. Um, it was really well taken on the on the volley, I think, or the half volley. Yeah, it deflected and came out to on the edge of the box, and he just hits it one time. It was an absolute screamer. Um, it was a really good goal, and and as much as you know, I admit I, d- I don't want to see Pommy do well. I'll admit that. I think he is the player I've watched that I've just gone. I wouldn't mind him in my engine room, not at all. So for me, he he definitely is the one to watch, and I think paired with. Maybe Ross McCrory this season. I think you've got a pretty fine midfield, which I think is where most of your your talent comes from. But um, you're in quite a similar position to us in terms of pressure. I felt this season, and I mean, I think in no disrespect to the rest of the clubs in the league, um, especially Ipswich. I think Sunderland and Portsmouth are the biggest two clubs in the division, if I can say that. Yeah. Um, and I think there's huge pressure. And there was last season on both of us to get promotion. Sunderland fans felt that last season, and Sunderland's a high-pressure club. You can feel expect the expectations don't drop with the divisions. The expectations of what it is to wear the Sunderland shirt are exactly the same, and, and there is huge pressure on us to get promotion. I mean, we haven't lost this season, and there's, there's sometimes a bit of a shout about like, is Jack Ross the right man, and all sorts of stuff, but. A, Pompey fans feeling the tension already, the similar way we are, I suppose. That pressure is definitely there, but I think the the team generally has looked good so far this season. So Pete fans aren't questioning the management. Had it been the fact that we hadn't won a game so far, then I think there would be some pressure from certain elements of the fan base. I think the thing is, I spoke to Mark Catlin, the Pompey CEO, near the end of the last season, and he said to me, if we don't get promoted, it's gonna there's gonna be a lot more pressure on us to get promoted this next season, and and I think there is this season we've gone out and we spent money again. You know, he bought in Marcus Harness. We spent nearly two million quid on John Marquis. This season is promotional bust for us in the level that I think the fan base expects us to get promoted this season. Not just wants us to expects us to get promoted this season, and I think the same goes for Sunderland, doesn't it? Pretty much. Uh, I, I think it's shit or bust for us this season. We have to go up. Um, I don't know whether that is from a financial perspective, but from a my personal perspective, I think we have to go up. And I, I would think a lot of fans would echo exactly the same. I think if we don't go up this season, we could be stuck in this division for quite some time. Um, and I don't really want to do that. The novelty is wearing off a little bit, but I think... You want to come up with us, Graham, don't you? You want to get come up with us so we can carry on these podcasts next season? It's the only only reason <laughs> I like doing Pompey is I know that you have a working mic. There's going to be no technical issues. Outside of that, no. I hope you never <laughs> end up in a division with us ever again. Um, mainly for the long journey down there, mainly for the, the, the shithouses that play for you. But there you go. That That's the way it is. Um, but I think we talk about, you know, we talk about Sunderland and Pompey and the pressure we have based on the fact we didn't go up last year, both of us. And we both we both looked like the strongest teams at first and then and then sort of fell by the wayside. Um, but last season was a really strong division. And there is a train of thought that, you know, you look at the teams, Luton were unexpectedly excellent. Barnsley was strong all year round. Charlton had the likes of Arebo, Taylor, and they were always around the top of the division. Then there was ourselves, uh, yourselves as well. The one you missed out by effectively a couple of wins here or there. You yeah. even had the likes of like Doncaster, Coventry who beat us. Uh, I think Coventry beat you as well. Peterborough showed good form. 
is the league as strong as it was last year or do you think it's a bit easier than it was? I think it's a bit easier. I think you looked at the points from, you know, us, Luton, Barnsley, yourselves, um, and then a bit of a gap originally, but then Charlton obviously caught up on the last in the last five games. It was a completely different league, wasn't it, to the rest of the league? There was yeah. this huge gulf between the, the top five and everybody else. I don't know if it's going to be quite the same this season. I think the mix of the playoffs is a, is a bit tighter. However, I don't think there's as much top-end talent as there was last season. And I fully expect um, Sunderland, Portsmouth um, to be right up there this season. Um, I don't... Obviously, you've got Bolton who just come down, points deducted off them. So, you know, don't see them. They haven't really got a squad either, have they? So, don't see any issues there. You've got, you've got Ipswich again. I don't think they look great, to be honest. You know, they've got James Norwood in, but if someone said... Can you have James Norwood or, or John Marquis? I'll take John Marquis every day. And I, I think there's a few teams. Rotherham, they're okay. I don't think they're exceptional either. I think Coventry could be a good team this season, but they're playing in Birmingham. Is that going to affect them? There's a lot of questions, isn't there, for other teams in the league? And I, I think that, really, there aren't too many excuses with our squads. And if you look at the national media as well and everyone else in, who's covering League One, they all expect us to be in the two promotion spots and not just because of the size of the clubs, just because on paper we're the two best teams. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think very much first two league games for us hasn't really worked in our new system, but I was at Accrington, which we're speaking on Wednesday. Accrington was last night um, and we played the four across the back and we went a little bit more like we were last season and we just looked a bit more comfortable. Um so maybe it's just a change or reverting back to what we were last season. The only teams, I think that the top six that I went for, I think I said, I said Ipswich would win the league, but I think I might change my mind on that. I don't think they've looked too great. I mean, we we were woeful against them on Saturday and they still couldn't put us away. Um, I took us to finish second. I took Peterborough to go third. I thought that maybe they would. And I mean, it's a long old season. Don't get me wrong. I could be completely bang on or completely wrong. But Peterborough have not started anywhere near what I thought they would. Um, I thought you would be up and, up and around there, but that was I think I made my prediction before Marquis came in, so that was that that does make a difference. But I thought the likes of Burton and Coventry might do something, but but Burton haven't started that well really either. It seems to be they've lost a few players as well, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They've lost them. Um, they've lost their midfielder at Coventry. Yeah, Allen's went. Allen Harnesses went to yourselves. Um, I just feel a little bit like if Sunderland and Pompey want it, we we can do it. It's not going to be a case of where we've got to compete with Luton, Barnsley, Charlton um, this season at all. I feel like last season, the top six picked itself and just bobbed around a bit um, yeah. towards the end. And it was just like whoever came in the strongest. This season, I feel like if either of us go on a run like both of us did last season, I think we'll, I think we could. And maybe I'm just feeling really positive after last night. But if we perform to the way we can, if Pompey perform to the way they can, there shouldn't be anyone in this league that can touch us, really. No, I agree. I think the only team on paper, and this is always, I mean, I might start calling them on paper Peterborough, because <laughs> every every season they seem to come out, don't they? And they seem to yeah. spend money and they get all these players in and everyone goes, oh, shit, you know, Peterborough are going to be something next season. Usually they start off the season like flying, don't they? Top of the league. Um, 
I haven't even managed to do that this season. I thought, you know, bought in Mo Issa, um, good striker. You know, we wanted in the season before, 1.2 million. Um, I like Dan Butler, the left back. I think he he's a good signing for them. Um, they signed the goalkeeper from Exeter. Uh, I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. But he's... Um, He's I've seen him play as well. I thought he's he was a great signing, and they looked rubbish at the back as well before. I thought, especially in goal. But all these signings they've they've made, I just don't think that their system's good. I don't really rate Darren Ferguson that highly. I think he's no, okay. Yeah. So maybe on paper Peterborough could be difficult, but I actually think us two should should storm it really. And. If not, we've got to start asking questions. And because of that, I think that puts even more pressure on each club and the fan base knows it as well. Yeah, I, I agree with it. Absolutely everything you've just said. Um, 100%, I think. Everyone wanted to start the season blowing Oxford away. And if we got a point at Ipswich, you'd, you'd sort of take it. But because we were we were poor against Oxford, um, but it's not unfeasible that either team could go on a five-game winning run, especially if one of us win the game on Saturday. No, completely. It could be a catalyst for either team's season. And we both know how much it means to each side um, to beat each other at the moment because there is that tension, that rivalry, that history over the, over just one season, isn't it? Um, and it's going to give whichever side wins it, if there is a winner anyway, um, and you know a fantastic boost. So, yeah. Hugely. We've we've spoken a bit about um, Pompey's players and I've obviously earmarked Russ McCrory. I've earmarked uh, Ben Close, uh, I think Marquis, if he plays. And I think I think Ellis Harrison's looked quite good as well. But um, something good happened last night. Aidan McGeady looked back to the Aidan McGeady that we had around the checker trade time because obviously he was playing with a broken foot from about April onwards. Um, didn't really appear in the playoff final, got 10 minutes towards the end but we've changed a little bit not too much we brought in obviously Willis McLaughlin and, and none of the new signings have really hit the ground running apart from Mark McNulty who's looked very good but yeah. who is who are Portsmouth concerned about I'm, I, I'm a massive fan of Mark McNulty obviously he played at Pompey before um, I thought he was exceptional he picks the ball up he, he can play just off the striker or up front um, are you playing him in number 10 position, effectively? He's playing, so he's played in a few positions. Um, last night he played in the, kind of in a front two. Yeah. Um, against against Oxford, he was in a front two, but we had a like a five in midfield or a three, three, four, three, sort of three uh, three five two um he's played mainly in a top two but he played up front on his own on um against Ipswich but he, he does drop back a little bit more than yeah than our other strikers do a little bit and he, he's he does a lot of running from what we've seen we, we've been really impressed so far I mean he's great he's great on the ball he's the kind of player you know I've seen him score a lot of goals at Fratton Park when he was, he was down with us and He's he's got a good eye for goal. He always wants the ball as well. Um, you just try and you know Sunderland can play it into his feet, and he'll get things moving because he will he will lay the ball off as well. To I don't know, say Aidan McGeady makes makes a run, or you know he he'll be there to set them up as well. He's not a selfish player, but he will shoot and score when he thinks it's the right opportunity. I think he's a really good player to take that 
that pressure off some of your other wingers and other strikers as well for having to be the person who steps up and scores for Sunderland, which I think you needed to turn some of those draws into victories last season. If you'd done that, you would have been promoted. I think he's a really good player and could be a difference maker in that sense this season. Um, Wills at the back. I, I really like him from Coventry. I wanted us to get him. I said in our pre-season podcast that he's a defender that I really wanted us to you know, go out there and get. But, you know, you're saying he's had a bit of a slow start to the season, but I'm I'm pretty confident he'll bed in well and be... You know, I thought he'd go to the Championship. That's what I was hearing as well from people I know over at Coventry. So I'm surprised he didn't, but obviously Sunderland's a massive club and, yeah, he's come to you. Um, also, I like Dobson. I think Dobson's a, a great signing. Um, he moves the ball really well. Um, he's pretty... He's young, isn't he? 21 years old, I think, but... 21. Yeah, but he was, you know, captain at Walsall um, at that young age as well. And yeah, he's exceptional on the ball. I think he's a great signing. He's only 21 years old, so he might need a little bit of patience just to bed into playing at the Stadium of Light because it's a massive difference playing for Sunderland than playing for Walsall. No offence, Walsall fans. So give him a couple of weeks and I think you're going to see that he's going to set you up for a lot of goals and he, he, you know, he works really hard as well. So, you know, big fan of that signing as well. Yeah. I think, I think George Dobson's, um, I think there's more to come from him, but I think what we've seen so far, we see, see a bit of potential. Will, Willis actually looked, I was maybe a bit harsh and we looked better last night in a back four. Uh, he hasn't suited the back three. You can't shouldn't um, be playing a back three, in my opinion. You haven't got the wing backs to play that system of you. Oh, you're preaching to the choir, my friend. Preaching to the choir, preaching yeah. to the entire forty-eight thousand choir. There, um, we don't have wing backs. No, um, I have no idea why he felt that was the best formation moving forward. And I pray to God that last night's result and the performance last night compared to our first two games, he goes with the back four because we signed Conor McLaughlin as a right back, and I have not been impressed at all in uh, the league games, but Conor McLaughlin actually hasn't played at right back. So I'm going to give him a fair crack of the whip because he's played left back, right side, centre off. He's he's played right back pretty much his entire career. Um, I would like to see a flat back four with a holding midfielder, McGeady, Maguire, maybe even 0-9 in midfield. Um, and we've also got Elliot Embleton coming through as well. I, I would agree. I think uh, it'll be music with some ideas that are a neutral fan can see that we don't have wing backs um, unless transfers randomly come out of the blue before this is released. I still don't think we have the right system and the right players for, for wing backs. And I think a lot of Portsmouth's success from last season came from having round pegs and, and round holes. And I think a lot of our problems so far this season, we're only two games in, but have come from having round pegs and, and square holes. Um, and I think the reverting back to a, a 4-2-3-1 or something that reverts back to a back four, even a 4-4-2, will in the long run be better for us massively. Absolutely. I thought it was such a bizarre thing when I saw the formation you set out. I just thought, I just, I thought maybe I was missing something, you know, because um, I just didn't see that working. And especially since you struggled a little bit at centre-back last season, it seemed odd to try and then play three centre-backs um, at the back, but I think you'll settle back into a four, you know, a four, three, two, one. And I think, I think you'll look good. I think you'd struggle against us if you play three at the back, but unless you, do they drop into a back five or do they really play like high wing backs and then just sort of three at the back? 
So we had in the first two games, we had um, so Denver Hume, who's he, he's he's been poor, but he's also been horribly exposed by the absolute. <laughs> How do I describe Tom Flanagan? Jeez, um, the left hand side's not been great, and and Denver Hume's yeah. been poor and not been helped. Um, whereas on on the right hand side, we were playing Lyndon Gooch the first few games, but. I, Luke O'Neill's been earmarked for a midfield position, but he played right back last night, and I still don't think he's a right back. I think he's a number ten or a midfielder, but he's our best right back currently, based on current form. So I think he's got to play back four. I think that I think Denver Hume has got a lot of learning to do, and I've been very vocally critical of him for for months, not just recently. Um, but but Denver is a lot better at left back than he is in a kind of weird wing-back role. And it's quite an attacking 3-4-3. Three, three. So when they do drop back into a back five, it's it just looks all over the place. We just don't have the players that suit that formation. And I'd be very, very frustrated alongside many other fans if he reverts back to a back three against Portsmouth because I think we'll get tortured. Yeah, I'd be delighted if that happens, especially with the likes of Ronan Curtis, Marcus Harness, John Marquis running in the back. I think they'd have a lot of success against you in that formation. But um, I doubt that's going to happen because I'm, you know, I'm not on the uh, judging Jack Ross sort of uh, you know train. But I would say that he should have enough sense, I'm guessing, to switch back to a, a successful formation that's worked for you against Accrington. I think maybe if it had not worked, then he might have reverted back to it. But, you know, I think it's going to be a close game. So that brings me to the thing I always ask. Final question, score prediction. I've got, I'm in two minds, Graham, because I sort of feel like when, my, when someone says score prediction, stadium of light, the first thing that comes to my head is 1-1. One, one. <laughs> Mine too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> However, I think Pompey have had a, a bit more of a, a bright start to the to the season. That that goal that we can see against Shrewsbury, was, it was an absolute wonder goal, but from a player who's never scored in his life. So... That's the only goal we've conceded. We've looked pretty good apart from that. Five goals. I'm going to say it's going to be close, but Pompey to edge it 2-1. Well, I got the score right last week. I said 1-1, but I'm not going to go for 1-1. I'm not doing it this week. <laughs> I, I'm going to say, and this a lot of it hinges on the formation that he plays, but I, I, think, we'll, I think we'll win. I think we'll win. I think we'll win 2-1. And I think Charlie White and... Maguire will score but I wouldn't be surprised if you took the lead but I am looking forward to it how many fans are you bringing up well you restricted our fans didn't you so shouldn't, I think shouldn't <laughs> throw things at us <laughs> are Oxford going to get their fans restricted yeah I, I was actually interested I was, <laughs> I was interested because you know that guy on Twitter threatened to blow up Fratton Park I remember that yeah Southampton yeah. is that right He's a Sunderland fan. He's a Sunderland fan, that's right. Yeah, before before our game, before the playoffs. Um I was I was interested to see whether the, the Portsmouth would use that as a, a well, a reason, should we say, or excuse, whatever you want to say, to limit the Sunderland travelling away fans as well. Um but it hasn't happened, so that's just interesting. I was just under a couple of thousand, mate, I think. I think we got our tickets restricted to nineteen one thousand nine hundred. So 
it's not going to be a massive following. Um, it's on Sky as well, isn't it? So it is. it'll be interesting to see. You know, it's, it's like twelve thirty on a Saturday on Sky with a restricted ticket allocation. So I wouldn't say it's going to be huge. I don't know if the allocation is sold out or not. I assume it has. Maybe it hasn't. I haven't checked. I don't know. How's your how's your um, ticket sales going for this game? Is it is it something you think will sell out, or is it going to be because there's such a difference between the game we played when I I was up there um, against you near the end of the season, and then going into the playoffs? Because there was about I don't know, was it ten twenty thousand difference? It was quite big, forty one in the league game, and yet it was our lowest attendance of the season in the in the playoffs. I think twenty seven, twenty eight, but I think Saturday will be. Well, we had 31 against Oxford. I, I think I wouldn't be surprised to see 32, 33. Yeah. Even though it's on Sky, maybe it's a more appealing game. It's our derby, really. For me, it is anyway. I'm well looking forward to it. Oh, we're so, all looking forward to it as well. As long as we win. But Hugh, <laughs> thanks, thanks as always for popping on, mate. Um, I tell you this every time you're on, but have a horrible Saturday. And I mean it truly, truly with all my heart. But apart from that, I hope you have a good rest of the week, mate. thanks for having me on mate and same goes to you my pleasure bud Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.